don't ever think you're smart enough to find your way to God or back to God. The wise men, the magi, they weren't. They needed a star to show them the way. They needed God's word to guide them. And so do we. Only God can bring us back to himself, no matter how far away we may be to him. God works in the lives of these magis. He works in their lives and brought them to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. And God can do the same in ours. So we're going to learn a few things from the wise men, that familiar story. They came to Bethlehem shortly after Jesus was born. They followed a star that had pointed the way and it led them to their savior and king. Now let's put ourselves in their sandals. It's a long, hard journey across the desert, scorching sun beating on them day after day, uncomfortable camel ride that maybe took them months. They head to the capital city, the logical place, that magnificent city on a hill, Jerusalem, where there was large palaces and a beautiful temple. But do they find the king there? Nope. Instead, they find Herod, the Roman-appointed king of the Jews. And he's not overjoyed about the news of a newborn king of the Jews. He's threatened. He's troubled, the Bible says, and all Jerusalem with him. They arrive in Jerusalem and find no newborn king and no one who is even expecting him. That's kind of disappointing, don't you think? Their journey's not over. Now they get directed to Bethlehem. Bethlehem? It's not even on the map. What kind of a king did they come all this way to worship? Do you think they might have been disappointed? Disappointments beginning of the year disappointments are common occurrence in human ex- experience i mean whom who among us has not at not at some time in our life fixed our gaze on some high lofty star only to find ourselves ourselves standing before disappointment i give you hundreds of examples a young man graduates from high school full of great dreams and expectations about the future only to wake up one day and discover himself t- trapped in the very drudgery that he had promised himself he would avoid. A young couple comes to marriage ceremony with stars in their eyes. Soon the honeymoon is over, reality dawns, their dreams become nightmares, disappointment. Mom and dad save up for years to start their own business. Carefully they research and plan. They know that that only a minority of new businesses make it more than five years. They know that. But they believe with a lot of hard work and a little bit of luck, they'll make it. The hard work part is right. They work harder than they've ever worked before. Unfortunately, the little bit of luck never seems to arrive. The bills begin to mount. They barely avoid losing their home. They finally decide to cut their losses and get out. A man comes to retirement age. He thinks of all the good things he's going to be able to do. After a few weeks, however, he begins to discover that retirement is not exactly what he thought it would be. The days start growing longer, the hours become more oppressive. I'll name a few closer to home, disappointments I heard just in the month of December. Among us, relationship stress, disappointment in love, unable to get pregnant, cancer diagnosis, treatments that are not working, 
declining health, the flu, money issues, job loss, lack of support, frustration with circumstances. Same old, same old. Disappointment seems to follow us everywhere. And history is full of persons who face discouraging circumstances. Imagine how Albert Einstein's parents fretted about him. Einstein could not speak until he was four years old, and he did not read until he was seven. Beethoven's music teacher said about him, as a composer, he is hopeless. When Thomas Edison was a young boy, his teacher said that he was so senseless he could never learn anything. When F.W. Woolworth was 21, he got a job in a store, but he was not allowed to wait on customers because he didn't have enough sense. Walt Disney was once fired by a newspaper editor because he was thought to have no good ideas. We all find that some of our dreams and goals lead to disappointments. I'm sure it was the same for the Magi. Remember the king of disappointments? Who's that? That's Charlie Brown, right? No wonder so many of us enjoy those cartoons growing up because Charlie Brown knows disappointment. He finds it at every turn. One cartoon strip, Charlie has just struggled through another tragic loss on the baseball field. As we join him in the comic strip, we see him telling his younger sister, it was the last game of the season and we lost. So what does that mean, she asks innocently. Well, in the long run, and as far as the rest of the world goes, it doesn't mean a thing, Charlie replies. Then after thinking about it, he says, but I can't stand it. In our journey through life, we all get disappointed along the way. I can't imagine what those magi were thinking. Those wise men from the east must have gone through to get to this faraway place in this foreign land and then redirected to Bethlehem. The story's not over, and neither is your story, by the way. One thing we learn from this amazing story is that God wields creation to bring about his purposes and plans, and for that matter, the purpose and plan for our lives. He uses a tyrannical, abusive, paranoid, jealous ruler like Herod, and through God's word, that always directs and never disappoints, God directs the course of the Magi towards Jesus. And more than that, he also finds a star. Yeah, they, they see a star, not just any star. This star goes before them and guides them to the place where Jesus is. Reminds me of that passage, Your word, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now there's a huge lesson in this for us. God gives us faith. He places, a, places us in a relationship with him. We can't find him on our own. He sets our hearts to follow him. We can't follow him on our own. He gives us directions. We'll get lost on our own. He uses all kinds of means to help us along the way. He manipulates circumstances. He uses other people. In the case of the wise men, he wields creation and guides them by star. And most assuredly and most reliably, he guides us by his word. Because he knows we can't do it on our own. It was the prophecies and promises of old that ultimately got the Magi to their destination. And there's a huge lesson in that for us. Huge. I want you to see that your life has been set on a course, on a direction, which ultimately will be to worship Jesus Christ 
face to face. It's just like the wise men. You're on a journey just like them. Their journey was through the desert. Your journey is through life. But the end result is the same. To see Jesus face to face and worship him. That's why this story is in the Bible. God wields creation so that all humanity would bow down and worship him. Not just the Jews, not just you and me. God wants all to be saved, the whole world. I find it very interesting that this story is at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew? What's at the end of the Gospel of Matthew? Jesus telling his disciples, go make disciples of all nations. And here we have in this story, all nations represented by the wise men coming to worship Jesus. Fascinating. Matthew knows what he's talking about. These magi realize something that many today don't. Psalm 22, 29. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Do you realize, hey, I can't keep myself alive. Someone's got to be keeping me alive, and that someone is God, and I need to bow down and worship him and thank him for that. No matter what they achieve, no matter how hard work they work, no matter what they control, no matter what new drug was invented, no matter how popular they were, no matter what, they needed someone to give them life. And only God could do that, so they worshipped him. And that it, that's what it means to worship. It means to bow down in the presence of that which is the ultimate source of your everything, your life. In other words, I can live without this or that, but I can't live without my God supplying me all that I need. Therefore, I will put my hope in him and worship him. Where have you set your hope? Think about that. Is it in wealth? Is it in health? Is it in relationships? Is it in success? Is that what you pursue at all costs? Is it in the pursuit of happiness? Where have you set your hope? Is it in yourself? The direction of your life? What are you pursuing at all costs? Then that is what you worship. As you can see, it is so easy for us to get distracted from our goal in life. Our goal is to worship Jesus as Lord and King. But all these things distract us. It's so easy for us to pursue other things. They satisfy for a moment, but will end up disappointing us in the end. Because they can't save us. They never meant, never meant to. And so we worship God. Peter, like the wise men, said to Jesus in John six sixty eight, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You got that right. You want eternal life, you got to go to Jesus. You want to live forever, you got to go to Jesus. There's no other place. You will not be saved. You'll have no life anywhere else. Now another lesson we can learn from this story is that God takes our disappointments and redeems them. God does the unexpected. This is so true for all who put their trust in, in Jesus. Star 
unexpected. Bethlehem, unexpected. House, not a palace, unexpected. All who follow the way of the cross, unexpected way to save us, have learned God does the unexpected. God uses the death of his one and only son on a cross to save us. It's unexpected. He turns bad to good, right? Bad Friday, Jesus dies, becomes good Friday for us. The cross becomes the empty tomb. God is a God who takes disappointment and he redeems it. The Bible's full of examples of redemption. You just take a look at the Old Testament figure of Joseph. Young man known for his coat of many colors. He's betrayed by his brothers, dropped into a pit, sold to Midianite slave traders, made a manservant in a household in Egypt, lied about by his master's wife, and thrown in prison. Do you suppose that during all that humiliation and disgrace, he could see where God was taking him? I don't think so. He didn't know the future. But later, when his brother stood before him in humiliation and fear, he calmed their hearts with some of the most beautiful, important words in the Bible. You, bad guys, brothers, meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You know the end of the story. The whole nation, descendants of Israel, were saved. Came to live in Egypt for a time. Can you do that with your life? Can you look at your disappointments and see God's power and purpose? Look. Can you look for God in the stables or small towns of life? The wise men did that and they were not disappointed. In the end, they found the Savior they were looking for. Uh, let's put it into practice, this teaching, daily practice. You've yelled at your kids and feel horrible, disappointed in yourself. You've worried way too much. You've made yourself a nervous wreck and made everyone around you miserable. You're disappointed in yourself. You've been carrying heartbreak in you. What direction does your life need to go? It needs to bow down and worship Jesus, the direction of your Savior. You've just watched 30 or 40 hours of television this week. You've been saturated with values and standards that are destructive for your life. What direction does your life need to go? Bow down towards Jesus. Worship him. I visited the Human Rights Museum this past week. I was disappointed that there was no mention of the rights of the most vulnerable, the unborn. And then I read in the newspaper this week an article complaining that women in rural Manitoba don't have access to the abortion pill. What is our society coming to? And in my own sadness and my own disappointment with our society, do you know what direction I need my life to go? Worship God right then and there. Worshiping God means putting your life in his hands, in his care, because we can't keep ourselves alive. We can't keep ourselves going, journeying to our final destination. We can't keep ourselves on course. Even in the middle of blessing and prosperity, we need to come back to God to get his perspective and to put on his road of truth and life. Worship of God means that our lives get to go in the direction of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, just like the lives of the wise men. After the Magi get directed to Bethlehem, God sends, sends them a sign, a star, to lead them where their Savior is. And look at their reaction. Matthew 2, verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
See, God turns their disappointment into joy because they kept on the path. They kept focused on the goal. The goal of their life to worship the Savior face to face. It's the goal of every human being who's ever been born because we are children of God and we want to meet the child of God that saved us. And dare we get off track. And God sends a sign to help them. A star. God turns their disappointment into joy right on the path. I want to make this point. When you see your life in the direction of Jesus Christ, when you set it there, and the whole purpose of your life is to worship him, and nothing is going to get in the way, no hills, no valleys, no desert, no cost, nobody. God is going to fill you with inexpressible joy. I see that right in this text. The Greek uses four words to describe their joy. This is amazing. It would have been much to say they rejoiced, but it says more than that. It would have been much more to say they rejoiced with joy. Much more to say they rejoiced with great joy. No, no, no. This is over-the-top joy. It says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Four words to describe the joy that they felt in the midst of their disappointment because they focused on their Savior, Jesus Christ. That tells me something about worship. That it's full of joy because it gets us off ourselves and our pity lives. It focuses us on the Almighty, the Savior, the Redeemer, the only one. Their disappointment was gone, but they were on their way to see their Savior, and they were almost there. Five miles to go. Home stretch. Finish line. Those of you who know our runners, you know what that joy feels like when you see the end in sight. It teaches me that when I realize the purposes, that the purpose for my life and the object of my worship is what is t it is supposed to be, my life will be filled with joy unspeakable, joy inexpressible, marvelous joy, all brought on because of him who saved me. Wow! interesting the magi are called wise men they understand the secret to life which is to worship their savior and journey to do just that i love this passage on coming to the house they saw the child and his mother mary and they bowed down and worshiped him and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, of myrrh. They gave it all to him, and they did it with great joy. One more little point I want to make. The Olympics are on next month. Where? South Korea. How do you think the home country is going to fare at the Olympics? Well, look at history. Usually when a country hosts the Olympics, their medal count goes way up. We call that home field advantage. 
There is apparently such a thing. Just ask the Winnipeg Jets, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. That's the difference that happens when you worship God. When you worship the one who has the word that sustains the weary. When you see the darkness of life without him and want his light to light the way. Every time you go to God in prayer, every time you read his word, every time you give him praise, every time you remember your baptism, every time you receive his body and blood, every time you assemble in Christian community, every time you serve with Christ's love, you've got home field advantage. You're where you're supposed to be. You're back on the right track, worshiping Jesus Christ, the one who saves you. You are doing what you were meant to to do with your life. You're in the presence of the risen Son of God whose forgiveness of sins uh, and new life washes over you like a roar of the crowd. And your life is renewed. You are given hope and direction. You are embraced. You are loved. You are not alone. You are home. And the peace of God which passes all human understanding. Guard your heart in Jesus Christ. I'm sure the Magi felt that way when they worshipped their Savior and King. And one day it will be that way forever. If you ever wonder why there are so many pictures of heavenly worship in the book of Revelation... It's because God was bringing suffering and stressed out Christians back to their home. Their lives were getting lost in fear and suffering. And worship brought them back home to the grace and salvation of the God who loves them through Jesus Christ. It's not a little thing when God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's not a little thing. When Jesus early in the morning gets up while it's still dark and goes up on a mountain to pray. Worship is what we were created to do. It re-energizes us. It rejuvenates us. It fills us with joy. Unspeakable. And let me tell you, we need that. We need that so much in our world today. Amen.